0: From crypto winter to crypto geopolitics, from chat GPT to AI avatars, from zero proof identity to CBDCs and new forms of GovTech. Join inventors, artists, musicians, gamers, bankers, policymakers and rebels for a discussion on how technology is reshaping our world. From our offices in Dubai, this is the UAE Tech Podcast.
1: I think for me being able to bring back uh and just having that sort of historical connection to the region being able to I want to even say like being able to read the Arabic script you know something that I've learned growing up and then now here's this opportunity to think about how are we going to make something that's meant to be global and but make it make it also regionally specific because it is about Mm -hmm. celebrating the world, but also we want to really emphasize and, and the connection to the region and, you know, something like trying to design in both in Arabic and in, English and being able to think about, you know, how would, and it tied me all the way back to my wayfinding industry, which was my first career out of university, uh, which is really about how do people navigate through spaces, uh, because we had to think about that, like, how are people going to feel this sense of, um, connection and presence, and uh, connect and be able to navigate through the space in a very seamless way.
0: From October 2020 to really recently, Aisha Sheikh has worked as an experience lead and UX architect for Magnopus, where she led the design team for the Expo 2020 Dubai Explorer app. Now, some of our listeners have probably used the app. It allowed anyone with an internet connection to experience Expo through the eyes of a robot or avatar engaging in treasure hunts, puzzles, and augmented reality. The Dubai 2020 Explorer experience was ahead of its time. A significant and to some extent overlooked case study within Dubai itself. The creation of the app also coincided with the rebranding of Facebook to Meta and a surge of interest in the concept of a metaverse. In this episode, Aisha walks us through the story of the Explorer app and also hints at some of the factors that will help evolve spatial computing in the future. Global talent, local access, training, and a digital culture which is pluralistic and hopefully multipolar. Today, we're talking with Aisha Sheikh, a UX architect at Magnopus, who is involved in designing and the experience lead for the Dubai Expo Explorer. So Aisha, can you tell us a little bit about your background uh, in and out of the United States and at some point the Middle East, and also what was the Dubai Expo Explorer for those who haven't been to the Expo and haven't visited um, the kind of experience you guys were building?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Yes, and thanks, John, for having me. Uh, So I'm Aisha, and uh, I would consider myself as a global citizen, so I've had a lot of uh, cultures that inspire my work, uh, predominantly my origins in uh, the Swahili culture uh, in Kenya, uh, which have its roots in Yemen and other across the Middle East and uh, East Africa, as well as my Canadian culture, where I grew up in Toronto and San Francisco, where I am currently based. Um, And I'm really interested in that intersection between design, education and technology. So uh, I did begin my career in Toronto doing a lot of work in wayfinding and uh, building identities for cities. Uh, which are still there today, and then moved out to London. I sort of embraced that entrepreneurial uh, endeavor and then headed back to do a master's in architecture and urban design. Uh, And then I actually met you, John, in Jordan. So I had a Great opportunity to work in the NGO sector, working with jazz. Uh, so that actually took me to explore around nine countries in various Arab regions. And uh and then back here, kind of answered my call to the sort of tech hub of San Francisco. Um So yeah, that's a little bit about my background. Uh, And I can tell you sort of post-COVID what I started working on in this intriguing world of UX and uh, product design leadership at Magnopus. Um, uh, I've always had this interest in education and cities, as you know. And so this Expo Explore app that I had an opportunity to work on for the Expo 2020 Dubai was really about trying to combine and uh, create a bridge between the digital world and the physical world. And so we had this four-squared-kilometer-sized, we describe it as one of the largest metaverse experiences in the world. Um, And we were able to create a digital twin and literally create a replica of the Expo 2020 Dubai and allow people who could not necessarily be able to go there uh, be able to actually attend. Uh, So for those who don't know about the Expo, the World Expo, that began in the 1850s uh, in London and then has since been traveling around the world. Uh, It's an opportunity for all the countries in the world to be able to showcase what it is uh, that, you know, anything spectacular about their country. Uh, And so it's really a meeting of the minds and that's what uh, Dubai had been trying to do is being able to connect minds from around the world. Uh, And we thought rather than, you know, back in the 1850s. And it was about this industrial revolution. And now today, we were thinking about, you know, we want to showcase the technology that we have that we could actually use. And so all of the technologies of the metaverse world and um, being able to showcase that through this experience, and it wasn't just myself, it was Uh, There were hundreds of almost 120 people who worked on this project, uh, but we were able to showcase uh, these exponential future technologies by being able to uh, give people the chance to go to this World Expo from the safety of their own home, and also being able to create an enhanced augmented reality experience for those who were able to attend uh, in the physical form.
0: It's kind of a shame. This so that's is a nutshell. Great nutshell. Um, and yeah, it's one of those few times where I, I love audio, but a little bit frustrated that we can't show visuals uh, of the, the experts explorer. I remember seeing it for the first time and um, kind of being shocked that a lot of the things that we've been writing about as tech researchers had kind of already been built. Um, but thank you for also referencing the 1850s and the idea that you know Dubai Expo has a long lineage of um, world fairs and cities uh, across the world um, going back really quite a long way and I remember reading about the World Expo in Chicago um, over a century ago I think and I think you'd find it interesting because I was reading an account of the skyscrapers and the architecture which had been built for this world fair and how it was really one of the world fairs that put America and American architecture on the map historically and of course Expo um, 2020 in Dubai was a a, a massive affair um, a fantastic event which pretty much everyone in Dubai and people from all over the world went to despite COVID-19 but listening to you speak I was thinking It is kind of fascinating that there was this parallel Mirror Expo, uh, which had been, I guess the word is architecture, which had been built in these immersive realities uh, and where anyone in the world, uh, as long as they had a connection, um, could visit it and look around. Do you think... um, I mean, what do you think the president that's been set here is? And also, do you think this is a legitimate place for architects and designers and people who want to create? Do you think they're increasingly going to move into these immersive realities and create these kind of mirror experiences going forwards? Uh,
1: I think absolutely. Whether I think that people will be building these experiences moving forward. I, I definitely think there's, for those who are budding uh, designers and creators and you know architects that are curious about where to go in their futures, I, I definitely think that what we're seeing, which is what I find so fascinating about technology is that we're seeing this convergence of technologies and we're seeing that, you know, there's this connection between the AI world and, uh, you know, if you want to just talk about it more generally around Web3 or, you know, they call it the spatial web or spatial computing. Uh, so that world is really about the convergence of AI and AR and uh, a whole bunch of other technologies. Um You know, it's exciting to see what opportunities are out there. And I think for me, there were definitely these, it was an accident, but more like a surprising accident that I could use my background because I've been, you know, trained as a designer. I've had this opportunity in a more like 3D world um, with cities and architecture uh, and then I got into education, and with this Expo Explore app, there were these opportunities to bring all of it together. Uh, and I think that cities and built environments are naturally—it's where we live. So I think there's always going to be opportunities for builders to reimagine what it means to develop the future of where we live.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this experience was was a big deal for listeners. So time voted it one of the 100 best innovations of 2022. I guess one question I wanted to ask you was, what was it like when you first found out about this project? What was it like when you joined the team? What case studies or examples did you have to model this work on? Had it been done before? Kind of you know, to what extent were you starting from scratch and, and what were your inspirations? Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, I think so one, what was it like to join? I think, um, I think one, I was very excited because it had been a while. It'd been almost, I want to say almost, um, maybe like eight years, right, since we have left or since we were we met in Jordan. And uh,
0: yeah very I different always love when I very different very, time very different. Yeah.
1: <laughs> very different time. And I always love when I could build on skills or experiences that I have and you mm. know just diving into more of a mastery level of Any subject matter or technology. So I think for me, being able to bring back uh, and just having that sort of historical connection to the region, being able to, I want to even say like being able to read the Arabic script, you know, something that I've learned growing up. And then now here's this opportunity to think about how are we going to make something that's meant to be global and but make it make it also regionally specific because it is about Mm -hmm. celebrating the world but also we want to really emphasize and and um, the connection to the region and you know something like trying to design in both in arabic and in English and being able to think about, you know, how would, and it tied me all the way back to my wayfinding industry, which was my first career out of university, uh, which is really about how do people navigate through spaces? Uh, because we had to think about that, like, how are people going to feel this sense of um, connection and presence? and uh, connect and be able to navigate through the space in a very seamless way Uh, so i had to use some of those cues from from that world uh, but then also being able to look at the work that we did in partnership uh, with how people express themselves in the region as well as globally so being able to see avatars that were diverse and represent and allow people to customize and i talked about this sense of presence something that's like really important for creators who are developing things in in a spatial sort of xr world it's being able to create that individual individuation uh, creates this pleasurable experience for people and that's one of the top if you want to think of like the sort of from down at the bottom we want to make it safe for people like that's an essential need but then down up to the top would be sort of reaching the peak of the best experiences uh would be the ones that make it so that you can really feel like you are an individual um and you feel really immersed in that experience so being able to really like see go back to that uh to that region and think about how do we make it so that people feel respected and cultures respected was really, uh, enjoyable for me. I would say, um, trying to think about a lot of the inspiration. Uh, I I think just inspiration definitely came from having, uh, a lot of, uh, working with such a diverse team. Uh, we had, People who came from narrative design backgrounds to and you know immersed in sort of experiences, uh, being able to be inspired by the architecture world and uh, and artists who were inspired by the architecture in the space. Uh, So, and and then from a UX perspective, being able to. Look at first principles around the world of design systems and how you build from sort of this atomic uh, model of like one individual element and then how does it fit across uh, when you want to go into a larger sort of the molecule which is the connection of all those atoms and uh, how it fits across the whole entire uh space uh, so i would say that it was definitely, if if I wasn't inspired by how we thought, sort of first principles of design, and um, I, I had to be thinking in that sort of even like learning from basic 2D design world and take that into the spatial world. Um, I had to bridge all of my experiences in order to make it um, in in order to make it a cohesive experience because otherwise it was just all of these different industries. And we did have a challenge of how do we bridge all of these features that people that um, the world expo was interested in and how do we actually make it a cohesive experience? So really I had to be inspired uh, and then, work with the team to really come up with a vision that made sense on how these different experiences would come together. Uh, Yeah. I hope that answered your question.
0: No, that's really interesting. And I I definitely want to ask you about kind of the global point and, and the cultural point later, but just to begin with on the practical side. So did you visit the expo site significantly beforehand and also what was the kind of experience that you were providing? Was it a mirror kind of a, a mirror reality or a mirror experience of walking around the expo physically or were there certain differences, augmentations, um, design tweaks in the virtual experience that necessarily weren't in the physical, physical experience? Uh, with it, did you try yes. and mirror reality as much as possible, or did you try and gamify it and add little things into the digital experience to make it more fun?
1: Great question. So, uh, this is a project that Magnopus was working on prior to me even joining the company. So it was something that began from because the World Expo Expo was handed over to. Dubai in 2013 and then, you know, they started developing their concepts and then Magnopus was brought on board around, starting from around 2018. Uh, So there are multiple experiments and phases of this project. So we've been talking about the app, but there was a phase where it was focused on uh, the mobility pavilion and creating this sort of 3D Uh, virtual reality experience. Um, And, you know, that ended up teaching a lot of lessons that could then be used into the app itself, um, particularly wanting to make it so that, you know, it could be usable for people walking around the space, which, you know, that wouldn't make as much sense in virtual reality. So uh so there were multiple iterations and visits from the beginning of that 2018 or 2017, 2018, uh until after when the exhibit was done. And um, you know, being and I think one of the greatest challenges was trying to even develop the space space on BIM files and architectural files from renderings from architects, uh, so it was developed as a replica before the physical space was even done, uh, and then it was iterated on multiple times because, uh, believe it or not, the expo uh, site, physical site, changed multiple times mm. uh, along the way. So you know the the ways that up until a month before, the ways that uh, certain materials were used and we wanted to make sure it was close to reality as much as possible. So we had to develop a technology, a suite of technologies that would make it so that when we change something, it would replicate across the site. Uh, So that prop, trying to solve that problem actually became an opportunity uh, for us to develop a suite of different services. So I mentioned around the avatars, there were multiplayer services, being able to make it so that um, it was live. So that was the other thing, it was live. So you could see an avatar that would be in the space in uh, in a different world, In from my home in San Francisco, I could be roaming around as an avatar in the expo site and then someone could be looking at it with their their AR glasses and seeing avatars roaming around. And if you were part of the same group, you'd be able to interact with that, with those people. So those were the multiplayer services. Uh, being able to actually beta test Google Cloud anchors and making it so that it was centimeter accuracy so that you know we had uh, the falcon which was the inspiration for the UAE pavilion uh so that was the working with those architects trying to get the get, get that accurate but then actually trying to develop the artists had a lot of inspiration with the actual architecture files and the architects inspirations but then also trying to bring it to life so there were some things that were based on the architectural And the architect's inspiration, like the Falcon, for that UAE pavilion. But then there were some that were just fantastical. So we wanted to also enhance the site. So for those people who were at home, they would actually see... Uh, everything from the Jerboa, which was from the region to the different uh, fish that were in that region, but then also seeing a flying dragon, (laughs) which is one of my favorite uh, activations, as we called it. Uh, And we know that there aren't dragons in Dubai, but uh, it was a way to enhance uh, the physical world as well.
0: That makes sense. I mean, I guess if you did the virtual experience, you wouldn't see the physical jets flying over the expo. But you get a dragon instead, mm-hmm. so yeah, not not bad. Um, you mentioned you, AR and VR a couple of times, and there's this idea of the metaverse. There's this new idea of spatial computing. What do you think? Do you, uh, for, based on you know, using these technologies and and working in this space, do you think this is only going to grow? And do you think this this kind of experience is not only the future for things like Expo, but possibly the future for the web.
1: Hmm. Uh, yep, absolutely. I definitely think that we're just at the beginning of it. Um, I think that, I think it's both one of the most exciting things and then, you know, I'm an optimist. So as creators, we always have to be optimist because that's how we continue to create. Mm. Uh, but I think that there are definitely, I have to also pay attention to uh, other technologists and people who might be like a little bit more pessimistic about it, but the rate at which things are developing is so rapid that It's hard to keep up, right? And there's even been like an open call to put a halt on developing AI technology by people like Elon Musk and other people in the industry uh, because of, you know, just giving a chance for people to catch up with the technology and how it might be usable for them. Uh, But I do think that it will all come together in this spatial computing world because... Uh, and the sort of internet of things and being web three being something that is going to be spatial in nature. So uh, I don't see it stopping at any point. Um, Yeah, I, I, I think that humans are driven to develop and to innovate. It's just something that's in all of our DNA is to continue to innovate and think about and compete with each other and, you know, try to push the envelope. So uh, yeah, I I think that it'll develop in every industry in the same way that web 1.0, 2.0 has completely touched everybody's lives and uh, every, every industry with, you know, social media has changed the game completely. So I think that uh, web 3.0 will be similarly and and just as sort of exponentially different uh, with how we live, how we work, how we socialize, how we play, how we entertain ourselves, uh, how we travel and um, the services that we provide. So I don't think there'll be any industry that will not be impacted by this future.
0: Yeah. And I think this is an interesting segue into into kind of discussing the creative class and some of what's going on in the Middle East. Um, Because when we met in in Amman, both of us at that time were to some extent involved in the creative life of the city, um, be it in the kind of urban planning, design, architecture, or for me, the kind of, you know, fine art and, and publishing and um, that kind of thing, to some extent, designers as, as well. And there's a lot of creative talent in the Middle East. And there's also this sense that if Middle Eastern city-states like Dubai or countries like the UAE have to find a way to compete against much larger countries and corporations, corporations the size of nation-states, they have to start attracting talent. And, of course, there was this dream with Web 2.0. Um, you know, we heard it during the Arab Spring. We heard it before the Arab Spring, you know, that YouTube, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, these things would create an entire new digital economy. And it did kind of happen. But there's also kind of a lot of exploitation and this feeling that the Internet was never as free as it could have been. The creators never quite got the deal they could have got and that also a creator in the United States or the UK um, or other cities had a much better deal than a creator in uh, Dubai or Palestine or Amman. Now, things have changed a little bit since then. You know, In Dubai, you do have access to a lot of the same software that you have elsewhere in the world. But if we're talking about the future of the internet, if we're talking about 3D experiences, if we're talking about entirely new opportunities, how do you think new parts of the world like the Middle East can find a way to train talent and and also I mean that would be question one how can the Middle East incubate talent in this space and then I guess question two which might be useful for our audiences how did you become uh, a design and experience lead what was your journey and and what advice would you give to you know Gen Z or kind of uh, creative, digital creative talent that kind of like the idea of the metaverse and like the idea of this spatial computing, but have no idea even where to start?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, No small questions. I love it. Uh, So <laughs> I think yeah. the, I don't yeah, expect definitely. you to have an
0: answer. You know what I mean? I think it's a very, it's a very, it's a critical problem. You know what I mean? Because right. Yeah. If, if, if we're just going to be, if it's going to be the same as before, then we know that the United States and other countries are just going to dominate the future of the digital economy as they have dominated it over the past. And I think, so it's a big question for everyone, really. And you were talking a lot about globalization and inclusivity. Um, and I think, you know, when I go into Decentraland, it feels really American. And I, you know, I, I love America. I studied there. Um, I grew up with that culture. But I do sometimes think, well, this is kind of, kind of feels local. And that's why I love talking about this project Mm -hmm. that you've built because it's so different.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love reasoning this with you. So thank you for asking because I don't think I've recently have had the opportunity to reason out loud with someone about some of the things that I care about so you know, it's an opportunity for us to reason this together. Um, But I will say that I do – this is the thing, number one, this is the thing that I actually want to continue to work on uh, in my next uh, stages, uh, thinking about – at least, you know, for the foreseeable future, I want to think about the fact that uh, at least I can even see, like, the – Arab and African nations, they have so much in common in terms of history and interests. And uh, I think borrowing from global leaders uh, and cities like Dubai that seems to be ahead in these areas that we're talking about and at least ready infrastructurally to adopt these things. Um, But how can we borrow from Dubai, and in prioritizing education and talent mobilization uh, that could actually enable this mutual economic opportunity. So, you know, even East African countries being able to build a tech savvy workforce is critical for being able to harness that technological innovation and, you know, build these. you know, we're hearing a lot about the smart cities. So, so I think there's a lot to be learned in terms of and where that opportunity will come is by bridging and creating more uh, connections between places like. Dubai, which they're already starting to invest, but I, I think that once they, once Dubai is like feeling, you know, really pushing to be one of the global leaders, being able to see, wow, we have a lot of historical connection to this other region. You know, we call it the Silicon Savannah in in Kenya. Really? So being able that. to, oh. yeah, so there's actually a big tech hub there that's that's budding, and uh, I think there's so much to be learned from especially because of the historical background and shared history, shared challenges around, uh, you know, post-colonial life. So I think that um, there's a lot of, and there's actually a lot of even um, Arabs that still live there. There's a linguistic commonality, you know, Swahili is half Arabic. People probably don't even know that, but uh, yeah. So I just think that one, there's, An opportunity to create bridges through investments uh, for, you know, these, and we talk a lot about leapfrogging and uh, so I I think that the technology will have to be, it will be, sadly, there will be always, I think that where the money is already there. Those people will be exploring and sort of making the mistakes uh, and going through the cycles of uh, up and down of, of, um, you know, through this trough of disillusionment with the technology until it sort of really spikes. And then uh, once the technology gets strong enough, I mean, that happened in Kenya where we suddenly had over 90% internet penetration in the in the country pretty fast right uh so was so that, i think a similar cycle can
0: you is that mainly smartphone based I'm guessing right uh mobile based being able or? to
1: have mobile mobile yeah, uh, yeah access
0: okay. yeah
1: but but of course using it in different mm, ways but different uh ways, yeah. and then being able you know yeah so i think I think we'll see something different I think it will have to have as localized solutions as possible so um so I I think there's definitely opportunity there I do want to talk about another aspect of this which is uh so at Magnopus uh we've been taking these technologies that we've been developing uh you know the suite that I mentioned and now creating a platform that could make it really easy for in both you know bigger companies but also individual people and businesses. So being able to allow people to be able to create these spaces, to be able to quickly publish content so that uh, it could be used between Unreal and Unity or the web and VR and AR. So I I think uh, that interoperability is going to become very important. Uh, Because we want people to be able to access these spaces, no matter what device they're on, so they don't have to be on VR. So I think that that's going to be super critical to allowing people to then experience these immersive environments and uh, then, you know, operate them and eventually to monetize these spaces. So I think that cycle is something we're thrilled about. Uh, We've already, you know, I worked with uh, a sommelier with uh, their business and trying to figure out how they would turn that uh, into an experience online um, and develop their business, you know? So there, I think businesses will be developed in new ways um, and we'll see new industries develop. So. I don't see a shortage of um, people being opportunistic, uh, as long as we give them the opportunity to enter this space with whatever device. I think interoperability is like one of the biggest challenges that everyone's trying to figure out. And if that's solved, which I think blockchain will help us with, people will be able to take, uh, you know, take their identities across various devices. And I think that's that's super critical around this sort of democratization aspect. Yeah, there are identities,
0: um, virtual assets. And and you're right. If there's a common framework, I see what you did there, you know, because you've gone from Silicon Wadi and Silicon Sahara to pointing out that if there are common framework software interoperability, then that improves access. And it also improves possibly the monetization and the revenue for everybody. Um, And I think that is super interesting because right now you've got a lot of siloed metaverses, you know, all with different standards and protocols. It's a bit like gaming in a way where you've got, you know, your Xbox ecosystem, um, your PlayStation Mm -hmm. ecosystem, your Steam ecosystem, uh, your Apple App Store ecosystem uh, with all sorts of interesting payment terms and things like that. And we we say the metaverse, but you know, really what you've got is is a lot of these kind of siloed worlds. And then you have experiences like Fortnite, which technically apparently isn't a metaverse, but it has about 300 million um, you know, unique players. So these these systems are massive, um, particularly in the gaming mm-hmm. community. Um, but there are also a lot of games like R- Roblox and Minecraft that for the you know the younger generation have got gone completely mainstream. Yeah, I so do. They, you know, big, <laughs> I
1: see them yeah. like yeah, yeah. I totally see that younger just because I didn't touch on like the advice aspect, but I see that younger uh audience.
0: Yeah.
1: Including my young, you know, five year old uh cousin who's <laughs> totally versed on Roblox more than I yeah. am. Uh I, and but I, I wanted to touch on that in terms of, you know, for the future. Um, you know, this industry for myself number one the way it's developed today ux and xr wasn't there when i was studying in the same way but i think the skills that people could be developing around interaction design uh and being able to do uh prototyping which you know just keeping up with how that prototyping world and tools that are being developed uh being able to be a spatial thinker i think that will be so critical for any anyone who's like 2d trying to get more into 3d uh being able to work cross collaboratively with other industries don't underestimate like you know being able to talk to a business mind and understanding like your company goals um Uh, just developing all of those skills will make you more relevant. Uh, And then one of the things that we talk about, which is uh, accessibility and inclusivity, I think that's a great opportunity that was probably missed when, you know, that web 1.0, 2.0 was developed. I I think the earlier that we get different minds into web 3.0, the, better equipped we will be for the future. So those are some of like things that you could be doing today. Uh, but you know, you see how how worlds are being built now, or at least how 2D worlds and some 3D worlds are being developed. Uh, so another skill that I think that people could be really emphasizing is their storytelling skills and narrative design, because, you know, what you build mm-hmm. in is going to be uh, limited by your imagination. And so these technical skills will be important, but definitely your storytelling skills for the future should not be underestimated. So uh, I think that's sort of like the broader sense of it. Uh, I am really, if people want to look at it, there's Hancock's, uh, it's called the Hancock Hedonomic Pyramid. So I mentioned it earlier, this sort of hierarchy of needs. Uh, So for people who want to get into it, You want to think about the ergonomic world which is about like building safety for people the general functionality of this uh, of these spaces uh, getting into usability and then developing more pleasurable spaces and spaces that are more individualized for us so that's more hedonomics and sort of this this world of creating more motivation for people to be immersed and enjoy these spaces so i definitely uh, advice for people to look at that in terms of UX uh, for this XR world, if they're interested.
0: I like the sound of hedonomics personally. That sounds great. Um, yeah, that de- definitely makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a good breakdown. And I guess for the purposes of tying up this conversation today, a couple points you mentioned storytelling. Um, And that is a big theme we've talked a lot about, because as a tech podcast, we tend to talk a lot about protocols, interoperability, emergence of of new technologies and how to apply them. But we did do an episode with the drummer from Pink Floyd and the Hollywood director Mm -hmm. of the Lawnmower Man, who was actually good friends with one of the early inventors of VR. And both of them talked about, hey, you know, we love technology, we've grown up with Uh, one of them was was relatively good friends with steve jobs and Wozniak, and they said but storytelling and narrative art is still really important and they talked a lot about kind of california and the influence of movies and and where that and the role of video games and how the metaverse might merge all of this and then you know the second one was kind of vr and ar and, and the kind of new experiences audio and immersive and spatial that will allow but I guess putting all of that together, you kind of hinted at it. What do you think is the future for the Expo Explorer? Um, is the So right now, Dubai Expo, the, the physical uh, version of Dubai Expo, is being transformed. There's new apartments. They're building new startup areas. They're, they're forging a community out of it in the real world. What's happening with the Dubai, uh, the Expo Explorer app in the digital world? How is that going to be sustained over the coming years? Um, Do you think it might merge with, with other things that are being built? And what about you personally? Where do you think you're going to take all this going forwards?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, thank you for mentioning all of the the importance of storytelling and, and, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity just touching on that in terms of how storytelling will look, whether it's, you know, with this AI assistance coming and sort of developing conversational design, these, these uh assistants that we might all have, everyone wants a personal assistant. So I, uh, I definitely think there's a lot of problems to solve, as I like to think about it when we think about, you know, how are we going to make this, this, these worlds more individualized? Uh, but going to your question around uh, where this World Expo is, so yes, in the physical world, that I think is one of the strengths of the Dubai Expo compared to other ones which have become wastelands. Uh, I, I was in Montreal, I spent some time there uh, and other cities where, you know, that just becomes a no man's land. So that's one of the challenges that I think that they really worked on and thought of from the beginning of their development. Um, so kudos to Dubai for that, uh, for taking sustainability seriously. I think uh, for this World Expo or Expo Explorer app, which, you know, this is great that we're doing this, uh, this podcast now, because it'll be, um, ending or at least, you know, we, Expo wanted to make sure it was out at least until, um, uh, until this June timeline. So I think that, uh, we're winding down, uh, at the end of this summer just to, you know, have the Expo Explorer up, but there are other, Uh, There's the website for the Expo Explorer and being able to sort of see a time capsule of various uh, aspects of the Expo. So that will be available. uh, But this Expo Explorer app will, for us, the technology is still something that's going to be available for people who want to be able to build their own Expo Explorer uh, we'll be eventually releasing our Connected Spaces uh, uh, platform to be able to get other creators and other businesses who want to create this sort of digital replica of their worlds and connect the physical to the digital. So more on that uh, and just sort of staying in touch with magnopus on that. Uh, uh, But for myself, I definitely see myself exploring more on uh, how I can, I I mentioned around this ability for us to learn from other cities and seeing the sort of historical connection between regions. So I definitely want to be able to look at uh, opportunities around how education um, and talent mobilization can create uh, just like a lot of challenges around that to solve, which is something that I had an opportunity to do that on Expo, sort of bringing to life and learning about different regions. So I want to continue to explore that intersection between AI and um, uh, AI projects, as well as in the XR space, uh, and just being able to... You know, stay sort of connected and learning about what technologies are developing and what companies are continuing to build in the space. Um, And yeah, I also want to continue to be educating. Uh, I'll be advising. Um, I've been an advisor on companies uh, that are uh, based in East Africa. So I want to continue to stay connected to this African uh, as well as. Arab world uh, with technology and trying to figure out how I can bridge those worlds to the Bay Area and the technologies that are here, I really think that uh, we shouldn't have these borders. And that's why blockchain so interesting as well, uh, des- decentralizing everything. So, so hopefully that'll all be coming soon uh, if we all stay engaged.
0: Yeah, and tune in. We've got some episodes with Joel Dietz and some of the Ethereum guys on the role of blockchain in the metaverse. But um, Aisha, thank you so much for your time today. Can't wait to see what what you're up to next. Um, Stay in touch, and I hope we can do an episode at some point in the future um, to see where you're at.
1: Thank you, John. And it's great to see that our connection from Jordan has still stayed alive all these years.
0: Yeah, George. Something about Jordan. Just always stay yes. in touch with the Jordanian friends. I don't know why, but anyway, all the best and take care. I hope to see you in Dubai at some point. Thank you. Sponsor information: The UIE Tech Podcast is distributed by Al Weber Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on alboWeber business, syndication distribution on AlbaWebber syndicate, email direct marketing across the region and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio and video formats. AlbaWebber is not a PR company and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.